Robinhood and other discount brokers are helping amateurs pour in millions of dollars, and it appears that they're all making a killing. Are you suffering from FOMO on the sidelines? We're going to tackle this big upswing with Hey Money CEO and USA Today columnist Pete the Planner on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement outside Detroit, Michigan. I'm Joe Salcihai. And I'm Peter Dunn, joining you from the racing capital of the world, Indianapolis, Indiana, although there are no cars going around the track these days. That's such a bummer, too. Are you, Are you? by the way, are you in Speedway? Uh, I grew up in Speedway, and I could uh, walk to the track from my grandma's house. That's so awesome. So you could hear the race if you weren't there. You could, and you could also smell the fans. <laughs> this is the podcast where we know I talk about smelling the fans, but we cover recent stories ripped from the financial press. Today, we're going to tackle one from CNBC that Pete picked out. Not only do we read them like some podcasts do, but we're going to dive into how they affect your wallet, what you could do to invest. We're going to talk about that today, but also save, pay down debt more effectively. And if that's not enough, we'll also share a big idea at the end of today's show you can take with you to be better with money the rest of your day and all in usually less than 20 minutes. Hey, you think Indiana, first thing I think of is farmland. Big thanks to Acre Trader for supporting Money with Friends. Investing in farmland simplified doesn't mean it is easy or straightforward, guys, but there is a compelling case for farmland if you're the right investor. Mark Twain said, buy land. They're not making it anymore. Head to acretrader.com forward slash MWF for the explainer video and to begin finding out why farmland might be great, uh, might be a great investment for you. Uh, Peter Dunn joins us today. Glad to have you, my friend. I feel like you and I have been in each other's orbits for several years now, and I always do appreciate these opportunities, and uh, I'm glad to join the pod. It is. It's great having you here, and I can't wait the next four months to talk about some of these, some of these things. Whenever you and I interface, I feel like um, I, I, I don't know. First time you and I talked, not to get all, I love you, man, but but I but I felt like immediately, I we somehow grew up together and didn't know it. Something I don't know. I think it's unique to find someone with humor in the financial space that doesn't take themselves so seriously. I, You know a lot, uh, but you let other people figure things out. And that's what I like about you is that this is not the Joe know-it-all show. And I think that's what makes it a good show. No, I save that. Cheryl will tell you, I save that for over dinner. Yeah. When we, get, we get to dinner. I try to know everything. And then she tells me in about 35 seconds that I don't. And then yeah. that show's over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a great piece today that you brought to us about Robin Hood and, and amateurs. People, people like listen to the show that apparently are making tons of money right now. So we're going to get into it here. Let's see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off today's discussion. Hey, it's Paul from the Crazy Money Podcast. Stock purchase plans, Federal Reserve meetings, pay ratios. Pear. Oh, P.E. We must be getting ready for another episode of Money with Friends. All right. This piece comes to us from CNBC. It's written by Maggie Fitzgerald, and it's called Robinhood Traders Cash In on the Market Comeback That Billionaire Investors Missed. Uh, Pete, you want to do the honors? One 26-year-old Robinhood trader made $1,500 in less than 24 hours betting on a beaten down airline stock. While so many calls, so many so-called experts on Wall Street warned about buying into an overvalued stock market that was bound to tumble again 
amid the coronavirus pandemic. Last Thursday, Laquan God, Godbolt, easy for me to say, purchased a call option for American Airlines, ticker symbol AA. L. AA. No one knows. That made him $200 on the millennial favored stock trading app. Favorite line of the piece right there, by the way. After seeing reports that the airline was increasing domestic flying for summer travel, Godbolt, which is now my new garage band name, bought another call option minutes before the close. When the market opened higher last Friday after surprisingly positive jobs report, Godbolt, as his friends call him, raked in his profits. I just started taking it seriously about two months ago, Godbolt, a New York resident, told CNBC. I've been watching AAL since the beginning of that time, and I felt eventually, once COVID relaxed, markets would move up. That's what Godbolt always says. Godbolt is not alone in his success trading this market. One Chicago resident flipped his sister's stimulus check into nearly $10,000. I'm going to have a heart attack on your show, <laughs> Joe. Uh, Robin Hood traders lived up to their outlaw name during the coronavirus market downturn. The young investors booked profits, trading stocks with some of the best returns in the past two months, while other Wall Street veterans were left in their heads. There's nothing like momentum begetting momentum. Tim Welsh, founder and CEO of wealth management consulting firm Nexus Strategy, told CNBC, the aspect of just access is really driving a lot of this. And the whole upward tick in the markets, again, just fuels demand. Young investors like legendary Godbolt appeared to have a prescient, prescient understanding of the market, unlike the billionaire hedge fund managers who said stocks would retest their lows. Longtime investor Stanley Druckmiller, uh, who misjudged equities comebacks, said Monday that the market's strong performance over the last three weeks has humbled him and that he underestimated the power of Godbolt. No, he <laughs> underestimated the power of the Federal Reserve. Even legendary investor Warren Buffett bows to Godbolt. No, I'm sorry. Even legendary investor Warren Buffett sold his stake in airlines during this pandemic. Of course, the Berkshire Hathaway chairman bargain shopper and the airline industry's long-term outlook is yet to be determined v-shape after all the piece asks signs are pointing to a v-shape recovery a sharp fall in economic activity followed by a dramatic rise in the economy this theory was rejected by economists and investors who found it unrealistic due to the detrimental ramifications of the mandated shutdown of the u.s economy stocks have soared in june helped by the historic labor department's jobs report that showed the u.s economy added a record two and a half million jobs in may wall street was calling for a decline of eight and a half million unemployment rate dropped to 13.3%, far better than the expected 19.5% rate. The technology-heavy NASDAQ composite hit a new all-time high on Monday, the first of the major averages to make back all its losses from the COVID-19 sell-off. The S&P 500 went positive for the year on Monday. Despite this, investors and economists have been skeptical of the stock market's swift bounce back and reiterated their bearish predictions about what the coronavirus pandemic would do to the market and economy. Meanwhile, 
Robinhood and other major e-brokers saw a flood of new clients seeing a, quote, generational buying moment during the coronavirus market sell-off. The Silicon Valley startup said it saw a historic 3 million 3 million new accounts in the first quarter, while stocks experienced their fastest bear market and worst first quarter on record. Robinhood, which serves more than 10 million customers with an average client age of 31, saw new investors piling into stay-at-home stocks and those most beaten down by the economic shutdown, like airlines, casinos, and hotels. Traders also bought in speculative names like Hertz. What could go wrong there? And and uh, Nikola. Uh, we, saw, we see a lot of buying activity of specifically industries that were impacted Impacted by the pandemic, Robinhood co-founder and co-CEO Vladimir Tenev said at the Piper Sandler Global Exchange and Fintech Conference on Wednesday, investors traded a lot in airlines, a decent amount of buying in video conferencing, streaming services, some biopharmaceutical as well, said Tenev. TD Ameritrade's millennial clients followed a similar rationale in May. Firm's chief investment strategist, J.J. Kinahan, told CNBC on Monday, the favorite stocks of the firm's younger clients last month include DraftKings and MGM Resorts, as well as Coca-Cola and J.P. Morgan Chase. The piece goes on, Pete, but I don't think that we need more than that. The no. um, apparently, apparently, the billionaires have this thing wrong, and the guy that uh, the guy that just started taking this seriously two months ago, he's making money hand over fist. What could what could possibly go wrong there? I'm text friends. I'm friends with a local meteor, meteorologist here in the Indianapolis area. He's very handsome. Actually, he's a very good looking guy. He's the sort of person you want to text with on a regular basis. And he's got all this equipment to tell us when it's going to rain, when the sun's going to burn my ginger head, all of these things. But occasionally, if I just say to my wife, hey, I think it's going to rain today and I'm right and he didn't predict it in the morning, it doesn't make me a meteorologist. It doesn't mean that I rendered his degree worthless. It's just dumb cold luck. And despite the fact that this PR laden piece by Robin Hood made it into CNBC's website, I find this entire concept to be mind bogglingly stupid. Um, But that's just me. Well, we should talk about why, because you and I cracked up through this whole thing. And I remember when I was a young investor, I would have had no idea. Seriously, I would have had no idea why you and I are laughing, right? Because we're laughing all the way through this. But clearly in the piece, it says all these people making a bunch of money and the market's gone up. Billionaires haven't caught it, but these new investors have. Why are we laughing about this? Well, great point. Because when I was a college kid, I was day trading. 98, 99, day traded. That's what I didn't even go to class, as you can tell by the way I speak. Um, But there's just certain fundamentals of proper financial management. The biggest thing that sticks out to me is I think Robin Hood, in my sort of behavior, in what could be an unsuitable investment environment where people don't have an emergency fund, you know, maybe they're borrowing their money from their home equity line to make these investments. And there's no, you know, fundamental or technical analysis going on. It's just, Hey, I've rented a car from Hertz and it didn't smell like cabbage. I think I'm going to buy their stock when it's low. So it's, it's the ultimate in speculative buying. It's it, it was not lost on me that people buying a ton of DraftKings stock, uh, which is betting, and they're using Robinhood to do it. Um, and by the way, Pete doesn't sh- share my opinion. I haven't asked him his opinion yet, but let's be clear about my opinion of Robinhood. What could possibly be wrong with with a company that has lied to investors in the past, 
has locked up at critical times and you couldn't get your money out, has had problems with their coding while they're making fun of other companies having problems with their coding. Robinhood has either implicitly or explicitly lied to their customers so many times, and yet they're a favorite of people 31 years old and under. What the hell's going on there? I mean, once once trading went to no cost, TD Ameritrade, far... I, I can't remember the last time we did a story on this show or on Stacking Benjamins, Pete, where TD Ameritrade had some issue where they, maybe we missed one, but 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 where they got caught telling investors things that weren't true or their site locking up. And they also have plenty more tools than Robinhood. Why the hell would we, anyway, hi, how are you? Well, I mean, it, it feels like WWE to me, where it's this blend of entertainment yet sport DraftKings is entertainment, yet there's a financial component. There's a serious component to it. And I feel like Robinhood has that same sort of vibe. It's entertainment. Well, I'm willing to risk this in a speculative way because it, you know, it, it brings me joy. It brings me pleasure. And by the way, I could actually make a few bucks too. And Joe, I don't think you have to go further than their marketing campaigns or television commercials for both DraftKings and Robinhood to see how they talk about people's stimulus checks, to talk about giving you a little piece of the action, giving you a little taste, getting you hooked, and then watching your winnings or your wise anti-billionaire investments go up. Uh, we do this show live uh, with some friends hanging out with us on Facebook. If you want to hang out with uh, cool people like Pete and I, head to stack to facebook.com forward slash uh, I stack Benjamins. Ray's with us says, and this is case in point. My son's 20 years old. He has a thousand dollars. He's in college. He wants to open up a Robinhood account. Why, why wouldn't he open up a TD Ameritrade account or a Schwab account? Why is it always a Robinhood account? I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Good marketing. But, I mean, isn't this, say, hey, I've got 50 bucks for a pair of shoes. I mean, you and I are like, hey, you should look at some rock ports. And maybe the kid wants to get some, uh, some, some Nikes. But I, I just think it's the sensibility. Joe, I remember saying to my dad's friend who was a broker back when I was a teenager, hey, I, I want to buy a, a stock. <laughs> like, it, singular, right? Because yeah. I was 16. I, and I bought Philip Morris stock. I, I bought Altrio and it was Philip Morris when I was a kid. Um, and I just remember that's how you first think because people keep like you and me, we tell people, put your money to work. And so people hear that they've put it through their own filters. And then it turns into, I got a thousand dollars to my name. Let's put it to work. Not let's have a spare tire in case life happens. But I guess when you're a teenager, life doesn't feel like it happens that much. Yeah. Ray says it's cool and easy. It's ridiculous. But what's funny, it, it, it's once everybody else went to zero, I feel like everything else is cool and easy. I mean, it, it, maybe it doesn't have the, I don't understand how a company continues to be cool when they have stepped in it as many times as Robinhood has. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. The, um, I want to talk about one of my favorite books in the nineties, by the way, I don't recommend reading this book. Uh, so how about that? One of my favorites, please don't read it, but it's called trading rules. And it's about a guy who was was uh, working at the at the, in the commodities pit, um, and it was all these rules of trading. And one of the basic rules that I still remember now, and I've held with me for a long time, is it's impossible for our little brain to understand just how big the stock market is. And when 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 CNBC or whoever it is tries to explain away why the market did something on a certain day. 
Nobody really knows. It could be somebody in China. It could be a bunch of investors in, in Taiwan. It could, be, it could be somebody in Cal... We have no idea why the stock market really does what it does. And because of that, that should make us, this trader said, that should make us more fearful. Because that means on a daily basis, not on a yearly or you know 10-year basis, because over 10 years, if the economy is based on the stock market, it's going to go up. But... Over on a daily basis, we should be fearful. And so we should never have this feeling. And basically, the trader said it this way. How egotistical are we to think that I had, Mr. Godbolt says this, well, I had this feeling. I've been doing this for two months, and I had this feeling that once COVID restrictions relaxed, that airlines were going to go up. And what this trading guy said, and, and by the way, he's doing something with commodities, Pete, you know, that is far more speculative than 99% of the people watching or listening to us do. Um, he said, there, it's impossible for you to know what's going to happen. And once you give that away that you don't know anything, you become a better trader. All of a sudden, you become a much better trader when you realize that that gut feeling you had probably doesn't amount to anything. We also don't hear about the failures. Right. Oh, and Pete, I lost you. I don't know. I don't know why I lost you, but I can't hear you. All right. Oh, um, we do have you back. It's back now. That's. The, I don't know, man. I, I'm not touching anything, but I'm. <laughs> I'm my my gold. I'm. I'm terrible. Yeah. So don't back. Worry, everybody, I'm a professional broadcaster here. Back. Back to Ray. Ray's got a. Ray's got another fantastic point. There are a lot of young people out there making money because of volatility, Pete, and that's pretty dangerous. A lot of people thinking they might be really smart right now. Uh, this this market can make people, I think, overly cocky, um, and 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 I don't know. You see a lot of smart people, not just Warren Buffett, but but Ray Dalio. We had we had Phil Town on our show talking about you know there's there's more to come. Ray Dalio talking a lot about other shoes to drop. There there could be more. I don't I don't know what's coming next. I just know that I'm not going to be uber confident because I thought that I've been doing this for two months. Yeah. Uh, so the average recovery of a bear market is 4.4 years that it takes to recover to the high prior to the fall. Uh, if you believe you covered from this, we've done it in just under three months. So Joe, what that tells me is that uh, the world has changed and how the Fed supports the market has changed. And, and that that renders guesses like God bolts completely pointless. And, and no offense to him, because when I was 19, I used to trade fifth, third stock up and down, and I thought I had a system. And if you were to party with me, I would tell you about my system, but I didn't know what was going on. I thought I had that at the craps table at first, and uh, and uh, that was not that was not good. I didn't gamble for a long time. When I did, I uh, I I thought that I was a genius, and and then uh, that ended up being a mistake. So luckily. I ended up figuring out it was a mistake the first time I lost. I didn't have to go back and keep proving it and proving it and proving it. Hey, in just a second, Pete and I are going to have uh, our big takeaway from today's piece. But first, I want to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Acre Trader, because as you know or may not know, I grew up in West Michigan, which is farmland. I worked in cornfields. I worked in soybean fields. Uh, I worked in rye fields. Uh, I was a guy who who learned a lot about farming. And I learned enough to know that if I was on here telling you that you should be a farmer, 
farmer, you should probably stop listening to me because being a farmer is incredibly difficult, very technical, and not something that you just get into. Investing is also the same way. You don't just jump into an investment, but one that I like a lot for somebody that grasps it is buying farmland. I like AcreTrader for a few reasons. Number one, it's for accredited investors. You need to look that up, but it's only for a certain type of investor. You buy a piece of a field, and then Acre Trader takes care of the rest. They make sure of the soil sustainability. They take care of the field for you. These are people who are in Fayetteville, Arkansas, right in the breadbasket. They're experts in farmland. They buy the field. You buy a piece of the field then from them. Once again, if you own the field, you can't just cash it in right away. There has to be the event where they sell the field later. But every year, the farmer pays you. And when you look at the return of farmland versus commercial real estate, rental real estate over time, pretty attractive results. And especially when you compare it to two other asset classes it's often compared to, which are bonds and gold, uh, also some compelling things. Doesn't make it right for everybody, but... If you're interested, check it out using our link, acretrader.com forward slash MWF, and you can see how maybe that'll diversify your portfolio. All right, Pete, time for our big takeaway, my friend. Uh, what's what's the big aha here? Well, the big aha is that you and I have turned into old guys because at one point in time, I'm sure both of us were on the other side. We were Godbolt. Sure, I have an uncool name, Peter. I'm not Godbolt. I'm Peter. But I once felt that way, and I think just time and maturity and experience have shown me that, yeah, you can guess right sometimes, but it doesn't mean you did the right thing. Yeah. I I don't think I have a different takeaway myself. I just know that um, I'm going to go back to my point before, where if you think you know something about the stock market, you need to think back to how little your brain is compared to how much is going on out there. And uh, and a friend of ours, David Stein, said that when he was this when I was on our show, if you think there's an inefficiency in the market, you got to realize how many pros that have more information and access to information than you have. Doesn't make you wrong, by the way. Maybe you did find something, but the likelihood you found something is far less likely than you may than you may think it is. Unfortunately, makes a kind of a case for index investing. I think for most of us, Pete, I, it does. I think you just got to separate your entirement, your your entertainment from your retirement. I just yeah. called it an entirement. That's a new industry, <laughs> the entirement industry. Uh, but look. DraftKings equals Robin Hood, in my estimation, and that people are getting their fix on. Pete, we got to talk about Hey Money for a second. What's happening at your company, Hey Money? Yeah, so we just wanted to create a platform in which people can be matched with a financial expert, a CFP or an AFC, and our price point was, how can you do it for $20 a month? How can you talk to someone who's not going to give you investment tips? That's not what we do but can help you through the financial problems that you have in your life. How much house can you afford? Uh, How do you get out of debt? How do you talk to your significant other about money? So that's what we've done. We launched it in February. It's a sister company to your money line. And and between the two, we've, you know, got over a million users, but any, anytime people want, they can contact their Hey Money expert. And that's it. Hey money.com. I wish you'd think it'd be that simple, (laughs) Joe. We're at callheymoney.com. Of There's course a funny you story are. about that. I don't, I don't know if I have to tell you that story right now uh, based on potential litigation that I'm on the right side of. 
<laughs> that sounds great. Now that sounds like a story I want to hear, but another time, my friend. All right. Pete's back with us tomorrow. We're going to talk about uh, Morgan Stanley. Their um, their CEO had some uh, remarks about integrating E-Trade, which they purchased recently, into, uh, into their house. So you've got a company, E-Trade, much like... The companies we talked about today, Robinhood, Ameritrade, those types of TD Ameritrade, Schwab, that now is uh, part of a full-service brokerage firm. Is that better for consumers? Pete will have his opinion. I'll have mine tomorrow. We'll see everybody back here then. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Money with Friends.